All right, good morning. If I haven't met you, my name is John, and I have the privilege of uh, being one of the pastors here. Very glad that you're joining us today. Um, we are in towards the end here of a series in the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we've been in it since, uh, well, just before Christmas. And then next week we have um, Easter uh, weekend, so we have a Holy Week that we're going to be doing together in partnership with Jacob's Well again, an Arts Week, which is in the downtown east side. And then we're going to have a Good Friday service here at 7 o'clock, uh, and it's going to be a lament service, so welcome you to come and join us for that. And then finally on uh, Easter Sunday, we'll be back here again at the same time. So uh, the, the story in the Gospel of Matthew, what we've been looking at is it, this picture, our, our title slide here, kind of gives it an idea of what it is. That Matthew, what he's trying to do is he's trying to show that Jesus, the character on the right, is the fulfillment of all of the people and all of the stories and all of the hopes uh, of the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. And this week we come to a passage where we, uh, where we get our practice of communion. Now, usually here, well, especially since COVID, these are our communion cups. And uh, they're quite the um, commodification of this idea. They come and come in these nasty little cups. My daughter uh, had the wafer once, and she's like, why do we have foam for the body of Jesus? I'm like, that's what he said. He said, here's the foam. This is my body. And it just, it's, it's uh, not very good, but it, in this little cup and in that practice that we do every week in our community is actually this beautiful story this big and beautiful story. And it follows the same arc, that it's this practice, this ancient practice, this ancient people, and this ancient story that we're invited to uh, enter, as well as, as the person of Jesus every time we take that. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to enter that world by, by doing a very simple Passover Seder celebration together. And it, I hope that it'll help us understand and experience what Jesus is doing in the Gospel of Matthew in a way that me just standing up here and talking about it wouldn't necessarily do. So uh, before we get into it, I just want to acknowledge every week I have inspiration from someone or somewhere, but this week the inspiration specifically comes from two places. The first is from Tim Mackey, who is the co-founder of the Bible Project, if you guys watch any of those videos on YouTube. And uh, so he's done this with his community every year, and uh, I found it really inspiring, and that's where a lot of the idea came from. The second place is from my wife, who has uh, had our family do a Passover Seder several times, and we have been good uh, Israelites in the wilderness and complained every single time. But she deserves some credit uh, for, for this idea as well. So it's going to be really interactive. It's going to be different. I'm going to be doing some talking and leading, but we're going to be working together to have a little meal. So the first thing I'd like you to do is to stand up and I fold up your chairs. So I'll show you how they fold up right here. This is the chair. You just simply do that. Lift your seat up. Okay, and then I'm going to get you to just push your chairs against the wall. So some can go over here, some can go over there, uh, wherever. Just go ahead and put your chairs against the wall. And as the Israelites leaving uh, Egypt, do it quickly with haste. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. 
So the next step is we have enough for 10 groups of, of us together, okay? So I would like you to, let's say, groups of six to eight people. So just kind of eyeballing the room here. I'm going to get you to uh, this side of the room to split up into, let's say, two different groups, okay? Two different groups. It's great if you meet somebody that you don't know because uh, that's part of Passover, that you invite different people to join with you in the meal. Okay, and then this group, I'm going to get you guys to split up into three different groups. Six to eight. So organize yourselves and then quickly just introduce yourselves, say hi, and uh, then we'll move on to the next step, okay? Four groups, sure. Okay, how are we doing? You could do three groups over here on the left. That's fine. So keep it about, like I said, six to eight people. Okay, we introduced. Okay, so the next step is that I need, I need, I need you to pay close attention here because I'm going to ask one person from each group to, to do something. So we're going to need, I think, probably six people. So first I need one person from each group to grab a tablecloth. So put your hands up if you're going to volunteer for that. Okay, great. Carly, okay, one, two... Three, how about the back group? John, okay, so you can come grab them there at the back, okay? And you're going to spread that out in a circle, and you're all going to sit around it. Okay, next volunteer from a group. I need somebody to come grab the, a juice, a container of juice, and as many cups as you need for your group, okay? Right, can I get a volunteer from each group? Okay, come on down. I don't know why I'm yelling into the microphone. I really don't. I don't need to. This is my phone voice, my wife would say. Okay, next. I need, a, I need a volunteer to come and grab. There's two pieces over here. So we have the parsley on a plate and then uh, a water, a bowl of water over there, okay? So one person from each group, please come and grab that, okay? The next, I need a, a person from each group, so someone from your group to go and grab the bread. Actually, we'll get two people to do this because this bread, this bread is really big. So grab the bread, one person, and then the other person grab the bitter herbs, which is the bowl right beside, okay? So make sure that you have at least one of those for each of your tables. Yeah, put it in the middle, that's great. Okay, awesome. Good work. And then two more people, two more volunteers. I'll get one person from each group to come and grab a hand sani here from the end of the table. Awesome. And then lastly, uh, one person to come and grab some napkins, please. Napkins. Okay, awesome. Please grab a seat. Grab a seat around the table, okay? So we're sitting around the tablecloth. And if you read the passages in Matthew, you'll hear that this is what they do. They sit and they recline around the table. Um, and it's a way for us to de-Westernize this time. They, they used to say, or when Jewish people practiced this Seder, they would say, we recline around the table because when we were slaves in Egypt, we could find no comfort. And so this may not feel that comfortable to you, but this is the way that it was practiced. Okay, so in Jewish tradition, oh, one last thing is uh, if you have a child around, just make sure that you hold on to them, okay? You can't hear? You can't hear? 
It's a little bit quiet. Okay. So that's why I was yelling. My wife says I'm pretty quiet except for when I'm on the phone and then I, for some reason, get very, very loud. I don't really know why. Okay, is that better in the back? Can you guys hear okay? Great. Okay, so in Jewish tradition, there are many stages to this meal. Today, we're going to just do it in 10 stages. So we're going to move pretty quickly through it. And, and this, this dinner would happen at, in the evening, and it would be hours and hours, sometimes into the night, lots of partying and uh, drinking wine. Uh, but today, we're going to try to do it in about half an hour. So the first step that we're going to do is called Kadesh. Kadesh. Can everybody look up here and say that? Kadesh? Kadesh. Good. And this word comes from the root word of, of meaning that we are set apart or we're holy, that God is this holy God. And so as his people, we are also set apart. So the action that I'm going to invite you to do is to grab that one person to grab that juice Open it up. One of them will be open because I stole a little bit from one of you. The rest will need to be opened. Did you get the? There's no prize, Cam, if you got the one that's open. Okay, be careful because it pours right out. And then you're going to pour enough in each cup for each person to take, um, to have four sips or drinks. Okay, four sips or drinks. So as you're pouring that out, There's four cups, like I said, and they come from this passage. The four come from this passage in Exodus. I have it up here on the screen. It says, Therefore tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians and rescue you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from forced labor of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'll give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And so this first cup that we drink together is, takes its name from that first sentence, or the first I in this passage, I will bring you out. So it's called the, the cup of deliverance, that God has chosen a people, and he set us apart, and he's going to bring us out. So are we ready with the cups? How are we doing? Do we need another minute? A minute, okay. Is that what? The hand sanitizer? Yeah, the hand sanitizer is part of it, yeah. Okay. We can pour more later. So everybody grab a glass. And... Raise it together, and we're going to read this before we drink. So read along with me. Blessed are you, Yahweh our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. Laheim, let's drink together. All right, our Seder meter has begun. The next step, Orchatz, Orchatz, can you say that with me? Orchatz. So this one, uh, according to the Jewish experts that I saw on YouTube, this means that, and now we wash. So this is where the hand sandy comes in. So you can pass that around and sanitize your hands. All you wonderful COVID-aware Vancouver people have sanitized. You can do the second ceremonial washing if you want. Um, But the goal here, the idea is to become clean. And it mirrors the, the, the high priests who would have to clean themselves ceremonially before they went into the Holy of Holies and into God's space. And so uh, we, we remind ourselves as we wash together that we can't just waltz in to God's space. We have to 
clean ourselves. We need to prepare and be ready and set ourselves apart. And this mirrors, of course, the passage, if you want to read it later today, the passage of Jesus washing the disciples' feet mirrors this step in the meal together. Okay, so the next step, karpas, the karpas. Can you say that with me? Karpas. And this is the dipping of the vegetables. So I want you to grab a piece of the parsley that's there on the plate. So pass that around and each person grab a piece of parsley. Now remember, this meal is to relive the story of Israel together, them leaving uh, Egypt through the Exodus. And so the karpas symbolizes the growth and the fertility of the Jewish people in Israel, but it also symbolizes their great suffering. So we eat the karpas dipped in salt water to remember the tears that were shed during the time of oppression and slavery in Egypt. So after you have a piece of the karpas, there should be a bowl with clear, it looks like water there, and a spoon in it. So I invite you, you can either dip the karpas in there, don't dip your fingers in. Let's try to stay sanitized. Or you can just take the spoon and just put a little bit over the karpas, okay? So pass that around and do it together. Parsley. You're dipping the karpas in the, in the uh, liquid, in the salt water. Yeah, that's right. So the green represents Israel, their growth and fertility in Egypt. And then the salt water represents the tears of the people as they were oppressed. And sometimes some people will say it also represents them going through the Red Sea as they exited Egypt. Okay, so do a quick one. And then at, you should have a little bit on there. So shake it on the ground. Shake the water off. That's like the tears. Okay, and so grab that. And we'll read again together. Blessed are you, Yahweh our God, King of the universe, who brings forth produce from the earth. Okay, let's eat together. Not meant to be delicious. We're living, eating the story. Okay, now the next step is called the Magid. Can everybody say that with me? Magid. And this is the telling of the story. So they would break. This is the second longest part of the, uh, of the Seder meal. Because this meal brings up a lot of questions, especially for those of us doing it, uh, you know, 3,000 years later. So there's four traditional questions that are asked. So I'd like each person, one person from your table, to, like to t- one person per question. There will be four questions up on the screen. Go ahead to take and ask one of those questions until all four of them are asked, okay? So traditionally, this is the children's part. So if you're a younger person, I won't make you do an age calculation at your table, but take one of these and read it out loud until all four are done, okay? Go ahead. Okay, just read them. Read them out. Okay. Good. Have we read all four? There seemed to be a lot of confusion. That's probably the most straightforward part of the meal. So (laughs) I don't know how we're doing here. Well, thanks for asking those questions. Here's, Here's where we remember the story. And I'm just going to, usually this would be a really long part where they would read parts of the scripture. They would have a long conversation and dialogue together. But I'm just going to, for the sake of time, do a quick reading from one passage in Deuteronomy. So I'll give you some backstory to this passage. 
As you know, if you're around here, at the beginning of the story of God's people, it starts with God creating. That there's this space of chaos, and the God of Israel, he comes and he makes a space, instead of chaos, he makes a space of order. And he makes a space of shalom, of peace. And he makes a space of, of flourishing, that we can live with one another, live with our environment, live with him in a place of rest. But of course, the people, they reject that offer. And the first 11 chapters of the Bible is just a spiraling downwards of how sin is like an avalanche and just breaks everything in the world. And then this passage picks up that the good news is that God didn't give up on the people. Instead, he continues to come back to be faithful to them. And so he chooses one family, one person named Abraham. And that's where this passage starts. It says, my father was a wandering Aramean. And and generally, they think that this means this is referring to Abraham. So through generations of his family, he went down to Egypt with a few people and resided there as an alien. There he became a great, powerful, and populous nation. But the Egyptians mistreated and oppressed us and forced us to do hard labor. So we called out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our cry and saw our misery, hardship, and oppression. Then the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. With terrifying power and with signs and wonder, he led us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So this passage talks about the people being oppressed in Egypt, God freeing them, taking them through the Red Sea, the 40 years in the wilderness, over the Jordan River, and into the Promised Land. And so it's here, this, or this is their story, and so they would take a long time to remember this story. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we're offered a, a part in this story as well, that this is our story. May we never forget this part of the story. So here we take the, the second cup, so grab your cup again. And this recalls the second cup, the second part of uh, Exodus 6, where God says, I will rescue you from slavery. You want to go to the next one, please, Caleb? Right here, where God says, I will rescue you. And so we remind ourselves of that together. And so the people would read or sing uh, Psalm 113. I'm not going to put you through that, uh, of me trying to sing that in Hebrew. So instead, we're going to read it together. So I'm going to read the parts uh, that are uh, not underlined, and I invite you to join with me in the parts that are underlined. Praise Yahweh. May the name of Yahweh be blessed now and forevermore. From the place of the sun where the sun rises to where it sets. Praised be the name of Yahweh. For Yahweh is high above nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Next slide. For who is like Yahweh our God, who sits high above who sees down below in the heavens and on the earth. He raises the poor from the dust. From the dung heap lifts the needy to seat him among princes, among the princes of his people. He seats the barren woman in her home, a happy mother of sons. Praise Yahweh. Let's drink together. Sorry, I forgot to, we were supposed to do one more recitation. So here, let's do it together. Blessed are you, oh, ready? Okay. Blessed are you, Yahweh our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. Okay, we're going to go on to the next step, the fourth one, Motsi Matzah. This one has the most fun name, Motsi Matzah. Can you say that with me? Motsi Matzah. 
the eating of the bread, and we're combining several different steps here together. So I invite you to grab a piece of the bread. It looks like a big cracker. If you uh, want, there are many more here, so you don't have to, you know, family members, maybe you can share a piece as they're really, really big, um, but pass them around. Like I said, come grab some more if you want. Now this is, it looks like a cracker because it's unleavened bread called matzah. And again, it draws us back into the story of, of Israel leading Egypt. God does all these plagues, if you know the story, that like they says, the people were oppressed. God does all these plagues on uh, the Egyptians and on Pharaoh, and then God leads them out. And this is the part of the story uh, that it recites. It says, now the, Egypt pressure, or the Egyptians pressured the people in order to send them quickly out of the country, for they said, we're all going to die. They've experienced these plagues. And so they said, get out of here, like leave quickly. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with the kneading bowls wrapped up in their clothes on their shoulders. The people baked the dough they had brought out of Egypt into unleavened loaves since it had no yeast. For when they were driven out of Egypt, they could not delay and had not prepared provisions for themselves. So again, we're remembering this story. So I invite you to break the bread, break the matzah in half. This is the bread of brokenness which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. All who are hungry, come and eat. All who are needy, let them come and celebrate Passover with us. This year we are here. Next year, let's celebrate in Jerusalem. This year we are oppressed. Next year, may we be free. So let's read together. Next slide. Blessed are you, Yahweh our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Take and eat. And as you're eating, how, how are you doing? It's like we're, do, we're having a good time. Yeah? Okay, we're doing all right. So as you're eating this bread, yeah, it's tasteless, but you know, it's fun. And we, we come into the story now of Matthew, and Jesus is sitting with his disciples around the table. And he looks at them and he's like, how's that bread? Better than, foam. Better than foam. Yeah, that bread is my body, Jesus says to his disciples. You're eating my body. And you can imagine the shock around the table like, uh, first of all, no. <laughs> Second, what? And then the third, like, disgusting. You may be feeling that right now, even as I say those words, like, you saw the bread. It didn't taste very good, but now when I say this is the body of Christ, maybe something goes off in your mind. So what is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying just as this bread is broken, his body will be broken. And the disciples sitting around the table with him, they don't know what's going on, but we do because we know the next step in the story that just a few passages later, Jesus' body will be broken and torn and beaten and maimed. And just like this bread, once it's kneaded, and fired up and broken brings life to us. Jesus' broken body will bring life to us as well. And Jesus is, is starting now to transform this meal, this ancient meal, and he's saying, this story points to me. I transform this story. I am the new exodus, and I will be crushed so that you can be freed. I am the bread of life broken for you. And so the disciples are probably pondering this. What does this mean exactly as Jesus now points this meal to himself? So let's go on to the next step. This one is called maror. Can you say that with me? Maror. It means the bitter herbs. I'm most excited for this one, to be honest with you. 
does it? Okay, sorry, that's that's a technical error. We'll we'll get our um, our person who does the slides to uh, do a better job next week. <laughs> I, I I do the slides. If you didn't if you didn't get that, okay. Take the other half of your bread. So this is, the, this is the action. So you hopefully have some bread left. If there's not, again, come grab. There's lots more here. I saw some of you mowing down. Um, and, and the other bowl has horseradish in it and two spoons, it should. And so this is horseradish. Uh, y- you can take as much or as little as you want. That's completely up to you. So put some on your piece of bread, okay? Uh, so the bitter herbs... They help us to remember the bitter affliction of our people. Just as every Jewish person must imagine that she was emancipated from Egypt, so she must remember that she was enslaved there. So the Torah says, the Egyptians embittered the lives of the Israelites with hard labor, which is where we get our term maror. And when we eat the bitter herbs, we remember sorrow, trouble, and the suffering of our life in bondage. Just as the horseradish brings tears to our eyes, may we remember the affliction of the Israelites and those who are still under bondage. Okay, so grab your bread with the horseradish on it, and we will recite together. Caleb, if you want to hit the next slide. Got you at the most opportune moment. Here we go. Blessed are you, Yahweh our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to eat the maror. Let's eat together. Oh, getting it up the back of your nose. It's a beautiful and fun, I, I see some of you, you were liberal, you're quite liberal with the horseradish and then now you're paying the price. But it's a beautiful part of this is that we eat together. It's an embodied practice that you feel that, that, that tearing you up, up the back of your nose. And so take a drink if you, if you, if you need to. And we remember the bitterness, that, uh, the hard labor that people had. And just a sidebar, like aren't you glad? You know, Jesus could have made, when instead of saying this is the bread and this is the cup, Jesus could have said, I am the horseradish. And we would have to do this every single week. Aren't you glad that he chose not to do? That is God's grace, if there ever is. Okay, let's go to the next step. This is called the Shulchan Orech. Shulchan Orech. You want to say that with me? Shulchan Orech. So this is the eating of the meal, and this is the longest part. And the center of the meal revolved around this lamb. So they would have a huge feast, lots of wine, and, and just a massive uh, a meal together. But the, the centerpiece was this lamb. And the lamb was used to remember the deliverance of, of God. If you know the story, like I said, the people were enslaved in Egypt, and God calls them out. But Pharaoh won't let them go. So God does ten different plagues to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And the last plague is this replay of what Pharaoh did earlier in the story. Pharaoh took all the Egyptian boys and killed them. And so God mirrors that in the last plague where he says, I'm going to take all the firstborn of the Egyptians or all the firstborn in the land and they're going to die. But God gives them, so it's, it's a terrifying story, but the difference between Pharaoh and, and God is that God gives the people a way out. He says, instead of having your firstborn in your home die, what you can do is you can take, take a young lamb, and take its blood and put it on the doorposts of your house. Again, it sounds barbaric and crazy to us, but this is part of the story. 
And God says, the judgment that will come over the land to free the people will not come on you and your house if you take shelter under the blood of the lamb. And so during the temple period, when there was a temple in Jerusalem, the people would bring a lamb to the temple and the priests would slaughter the lamb. They would slit its throat and they would take the blood and they would put it into a bowl and they would give some of that blood to the family and the family would take it home at Passover and they would put it over their doorposts. And they would take, the priests would take this bowl of blood and they would pass it one to another as they sang psalms and they would pour this blood out on the bottom of the altar. Then they would take the lamb and they would skin it they would salt its flesh, they would burn parts of it, and then they would give it back to the family, and the family would uh, take it home, and they would roast it, and they would eat it, and that would become the center of the meal. Now, in Jesus' day, there were Jews all over the world, and so not everybody could make it to the temple. So uh, there was a rabbi, his name is Gamaliel, he was one of the most famous rabbis at the time, and so people were asking, how can we celebrate Passover if we can't make it to Jerusalem and we don't have everything that we need? So he said, there's really three things that you need to do if you want to celebrate Passover. There's only three. So the first is you have to have matzah. You have to have the bread. The second is that you have to have maror, the bitter herbs. And the third is you have to have a lamb. These are the three things you must have to celebrate Passover wherever you are. Yes, so there's three things, the matzah, the bread. The second is the maror, the bitter herbs. And the third is the lamb. And when we read Jesus' account in Matthew, it's very interesting. There's no lamb. Now, it doesn't mean there wasn't a lamb at the meal, but Jesus skips right over it, and he moves on to the next step, which is the berech, the blessing, the third cup, which recalls God's third statement in Exodus 6. Remember this passage that we've been looking at? Go ahead, Caleb, where he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And this word redeem means to buy something back and was often used of slavery. So we can see how in this story it really makes sense that God is buying his people back, taking them out of slavery. It means to put something right to the way that it's supposed to be in the world. And the cup at this stage of the meal, after the meal, the blessing cup recalls three things. The first is, is the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. This blood, that the story of Exodus where the, the, the judgment of God passes over through the blood of the lamb. The second thing that it recalls is the blood of the covenant. So later on in the story, the people have been freed out of slavery in Egypt. They go through the Red Sea and they go into the wilderness. And God says to them, this is the way you're to live. So I've saved you. You're my people. Now I, I call you to live in this way. And the people say, yes, we will. We promise to save to stay truthful to your covenant. And the way that you sealed the covenant was by sprinkling blood. Again, sounds barbaric to us, but this is the practice from thousands of years ago. They would sprinkle blood all over the people and they would seal the covenant in that way. And the third thing that the, this cup means or symbolizes is a wedding. So back again in, in this ancient practice, the way that people would do it is that the groom would have a cup of wine and he would take it and he would offer it to his bride his bride-to-be. And if the bride took the cup and drank of it, then they sealed the covenant and they would be married together. So here's what Jesus does looking at Matthew, or here's how Matthew says, says it. Then he took the cup and after giving thanks, this is the cup of blessing, the brech, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of of sins. 
Now, the bread is, is somewhat a little bit opaque, but this is Jesus at his most direct. He's saying the blood of the lamb was the symbol of the Passover, where God redeemed his people from slavery to bless the world. And he's saying my blood will be like that too. And in the next chapters of the story, again, the disciples don't know, but we do, we'll see Jesus' blood shed as he walks to the cross, as he bleeds, as people abuse him, and as he, of course, dies. And Jesus is saying that his blood will also bring people out from slavery, just like the blood of the lamb did. And Jesus wants us to see that we all sin. There is, of course, that's true. That's the story that we often tell when we come to do this together, when we take this cup. We think about how maybe we've sinned in the past week and how we don't deserve it. And so maybe we, we apologize and we repent of that. And that's, that's good and that's fine. But what Jesus is saying here is actually something, it's a much bigger story. He's saying as, as his people, we're, we need to see ourselves like the Israelites did with the Egyptians, that we're enslaved. That there's this dark power over all of us, covering the entire world. And Jesus is saying, there are still, we, we see this as we see still tears in the world. This whole story, this whole meal that we've had together, these things continue to happen. There are people eating, eating bitter herbs all over. There are people being broken. There are people shedding tears. And Jesus says, my blood comes to free us, to free all of us from this plague that's over us, from this dark force, from the ways that we're enslaved. And Jesus is also taking that second part of the story, and he's saying, just like the blood was poured over the people, my blood will be the blood of a new covenant. It will seal the covenant between me and you, that you can be my people, and I will be your God. So all of this is in play, and, and every time we do this together, every time we take one of these nasty wafers or this old grape juice in here, this is what Jesus is, is calling us to see and to hear and to take part in. It's a phenomenally rich symbol. And there's two responses or, or decisions that we come to with this cup as Jesus offers it to us. The first is, is this, will you receive the cup? Jesus says to the disciples, drink from it, all of you. He offers this cup out to every one of us. And, and if you remember back to what I just said, Jesus is taking the role of the groom in the story. His blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins, for the release of captives, for the sealing of the covenant. But he's also taking that role as the groom, and he's saying to each one of us, he's offering it to us in a marriage ceremony. Will you take me? Will you become part of my family? Will you be my people would you take on this story of being a people that's called out to represent God and be a light to the world? And every week, that's the same question we should be thinking of when we come to this little cup here, when we take part of it together. How am I in relation to that story? Am I willing to receive God's offering to be part of his people? And there's no shame in saying no. There's no shame in saying, I, I don't know. I need to take some time to think about it. But I encourage us to ponder that question as we drink and eat together. And the second response is to say thank you. This is a cup of blessing, the barach. It's a cup of blessing to each one of us. And so uh, I invite us to read together, lift our glasses, and we will uh, give thanks as, as well. So please read along with me. Blessed are you, Yahweh our God, King of the universe, who nourishes the whole world in goodness with grace, kindness, and compassion. He gives bread to all flesh, for his love endures forever. And through his great goodness, we have never lacked, 
nor will we lack food forever for the sake of his great name. For he is God who nourishes and sustains all and does good to all and prepares food for all his creatures which he created. Blessed are you, Yahweh, who nourishes all. Let's drink together. Okay, last step, the halal, the praise cup. There's one more cup. The final cup represents, again, from, from uh, Exodus 6, this, where God says, I will take you as my people. And so here we offer praise and thanks to God, the, the God of Israel, for his gift of deliverance. And we look ahead with hope to the deliverance of what's to come. And this, again, echoes Jesus' words in the passage in Matthew. He says, but I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus here is pointing to an, another Passover for us. That our hope is not simply for today. We look back to this story. We look back to the story of Jesus, but he also wants to point us forward with a hope for tomorrow of, of a future Passover, of a future feast where we sit down with God. We sit down at the table with him together and we sit with one another and we feast, and we celebrate, and we remember this story, but we also fuel, and we start to plan, and we start to prepare for the ways that we'll get to work together with God for the restoring of the world and the healing of the world. So Jesus is pointing ahead to this, to the future work ahead of us that we have in restoring this world with Jesus. So let's one last time raise our glasses, and we'll read together from the Psalms. So I'll read the parts that are not underlined. Again, I invite you to join me with the parts that are. May you be blessed, Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. I love Yahweh because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Praise Yahweh, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The stone that the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. This is Yahweh's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that Yahweh has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's drink together one last time to the king and the kingdom. Mm -hmm.